This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF Podcast. It's Friday, October 29th. Today, we released episode three of The BOF Show, a new immersive video series now streaming on Bloomberg Quick Take, which includes an interview with Samira Nasser, who was named editor-in-chief of Harper's Bazaar in 2020, becoming the first woman of color to hold the position in the magazine's 154-year history. During Haute Couture Week in Paris, Samira and I met to discuss what real inclusion looks like in fashion, the purpose of Haute Couture, and her hopes for a more human fashion industry as we emerge from the pandemic. To watch the latest episode of the BOF show on belonging, please find the link in our episode notes. Now, here's my full interview with Samira Nasser exclusively on the BOF podcast. So I wanted to start with a personal question. Okay. Because it's been, yeah, it's been a crazy 16 months, right? And we were all here in Paris 16 months ago. Yeah. And then we all went home and then... And then the world changed and everything we know changed. So what changed for you personally? You're going to get me to cry on the first question. Um, What changed for me personally? I... Okay, I'm going to start personally before professionally. I'd never had this much time with my son. I'd never been this still in my life. I'd never been forced to just stop and stay in my community, my immediate community, not my extended community. I mean, I didn't leave my four block radius for three months, maybe four months. So it was a stillness. It was a time to cocoon with my son and really sort of spend time that I've never had with him. You know, he was born, he's eight. I had three weeks maternity leave when he was born. So I've never had that much time with him. So while I was separated from my family in Canada, it was um, a moment of deep connection with my son and profound introspection that I was able to experience because of the stillness. So when you have that personal stillness Mm -hmm. and introspection, Mm -hmm. it's inevitable that mixes in with the professional. Well, yeah, I mean, I started a new job and all of this at the same time, and... um, What was it like starting a new job in the middle of the pandemic? Editor-in-chief of Harper's Bazaar is not a small job either, No, but... I was like, of course this is how I get the job. Like, of course I get the job when it's like complete lockdown and I'm working from the spare room in my tiny apartment. You know, to have to connect. This time has taught me how to be nimble, right? It's taught me to let go of certain ideas. You can't hold on to things. It's taught me to let go. And in taking on this role in this moment, I've had to find new ways in with people because all you have is a screen. And so to dream and to think about storytelling, but to also engage with a new team that didn't know me, that I didn't know, 
I had to find new ways in to connect with people. And it, it's an interesting exercise. And, and I think, you know, the whole thing of people saying, well, you know, this moment has taught us that, you know, we don't have to all be together all the time. I mean, I think these tools were great in teaching us certain things, but I think if anything, I've learned how much the value of like being part of a community, having the experience, the personal experience of someone, it's made me appreciate those moments. To have all that taken away, when you get it back, you just say thank you. Your appointment in this role was not just a big change for you. Yeah. It represented a pretty significant shift for Harper's Bazaar, yeah. for fashion media, the mm -hmm. first woman of color mm -hmm. ever in the history of Harper's Bazaar at the helm as editor-in-chief. Mm -hmm. You know, you've had some time now for it to sink in. It was about a year ago that you got the Yesterday role. was my year anniversary. Yesterday. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think it signified? Now that you have some time to, like, reflect on it, what did it mean to you personally, but what do you think it also signified for all those young women from different backgrounds who never saw someone like you in a role like this? I think that in that moment, everyone felt seen. I think it was so much about me and, you know, people rooting for me, but I think ultimately people were also rooting for their likeness, right? It's like you just, to, it's an acknowledgement of all people who have felt not seen and it's an acknowledgement that so many people exist, right? And I think that is, the, that is the significance, is we can never go back now. We can never go back and opportunities have been given to, to a few people, because after mine, you know, more appointments have, have happened and we'll never go back to what it was. And it just means that more people can dream and aspire to something that they never thought they could. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. Do you think the industry is actually taking these topics seriously now? Do you think the industry is really changing? It doesn't take an entire industry to make meaningful change. I'm in my position and I've already made meaningful change within my role and there's going to be a ripple effect from that. There have been other editors appointed and they're always also making me meaningful change. So the effects of that will just bring about change. It just can. It just, the arc, the arc of success I think is long. It's measured by different metrics. And maybe the whole entire industry won't want to move or won't want to make the changes, but enough of us are here now. And so, yeah, it will happen because it's never going to go back to what it was before. It can't. It just can't. What does real inclusion look like in fashion? Walk down the street. To me, that's is, is exactly what it should mean. It should be Real inclusion means that everyone feels welcome. Everyone feels that they can come. And anyone who's experienced otherness can feel welcome to follow their dreams and to participate in a conversation without fear of being excluded. You know, I ride the train every day in New York. And whenever I get on the train, you know, you see all this diversity, like shapes, sizes, colors, that's what every industry should look like. You shouldn't be excluded because where you come from or what you look like or your sexual orientation or how you identify yourself. It should just be, are you willing to do the work and do you have the passion to try? And I think we will get there. It will take time, but we will get there. But the industry wasn't always thinking about these issues. I mean, you have a very esteemed career, Vanity Fair, InStyle, you know, Elle, all of these places. Yep. Back in the days when you first started, mm -hmm. well, what was it like you know, to be the only one? I wasn't the only one, but I was one of 
a very few, but I wasn't the only one. And it was hard, but I think that throughout my life, I've never walked anywhere in my life and seen my likeness everywhere. So I think it's this thing that you sort of become accustomed to, right? Like no one's gonna look like me. No one really looked like me in my neighborhood growing up. It was a very loving community, but no one really looked like me. I think it was hard and I certainly experienced tremendous racism, but I just... Within the industry. Oh my gosh, yeah. I've had some horrible things said to me during the course of my Do you have any career. examples that you're open to share? I mean, there's one I will share, and uh, it's one I've shared before, but this is just an example of, you know, having to go meet an editor, a big, big, powerful editor, and everyone's like, okay, you have to go meet this editor, and, you know, let's make sure you look okay. And then someone says, so-and-so editor doesn't like messy hair. And so all the people who are around me who are trying to help me get ready are like, oh, my God, and I'm looking, who has messy hair? who has messy hair, I don't have, like who has messy hair? And I realized, you know, cause my hair when it's out is very big and I realized they're talking about me. And that's just one example of my natural texture hair was messy. You know, I didn't fit the very narrow profile of what was acceptable, but that's what it's like when you move through the world when it doesn't reflect your likeness. There's no room for your likeness and it just takes time to bring about that change. So now that you're in the role that mm -hmm. you're in, mm -hmm. You must feel a great sense of responsibility. You know, you and I were talking the other day about the people who helped me when I first started. Because yes. yes. you know, we have some shared experiences and mm -hmm. you said, well, why don't you tell people more about that? You know, I was, I was so lucky to have people who helped me and who opened the door and who like, with no vested interest, with no agenda exactly. or Machiavellian exactly. purpose, they, exactly. they just helped me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like in my role, I feel like, okay, what can I do? in this position that I'm in, what do you feel? I feel like it is my responsibility. So I'm, I'm really hoping to build a community. I consider this role, this role isn't about me, it's about we. It's about the community that I can bring together and share these platforms and, and elevate these voices and, and bring them along with me. So it's about the we, but I believe we all have a responsibility. It's like you get through the door and everyone of us has the responsibility to look back from where you came and extend your hand, right? And pull someone in with you. And I just think if we can all do that, to your earlier question, there'll be meaningful change. But those people who helped you, right? Those people have always been around and they will continue to do good things and they will continue. And, and we just all have to be inspired. Like the fashion industry isn't all bad. You know, I think a lot of the messaging that's out in the media right now is very much like, you know, oh, Samira Nasser's the first or so-and-so's the first in this terrible industry that has kept people down. And yes, there's need for change, but this industry isn't f entirely filled with horrible people. There are a lot of really wonderful people. And there are people who gave me my chance and who gave me opportunities and who hired me at different points of my career. And yes, the industry was too narrow and it still is, but I just that idea that it's filled with all these terrible people, I feel like we have to change that narrative also. Because I love this industry. Why do you love this industry? Because it's afforded me this incredible life, you know? Because at the end of the day, it's creative people coming together, it's an exchange, it's a dialogue, it's a community, I love community. And there's endless possibility in this industry. Do you think that's understood by people who don't work in fashion? You know, the fashion industry is often seen as this kind of superficial world, harshly because of the narratives that are portrayed yeah, in, yeah. in mainstream media. 
what does fashion as an industry actually stand for? What, I mean, what does it mean in our culture, in society, in business? Why, does it, why is fashion important? I think that just depends on who you ask, but if you're asking me, Imran, I would say it just, it's everything. It reflects our times. It is a community. It's creative. It is a social commentary. It's kind of a social experiment, really. I think that there's something really beautiful about our community. People come from all over, right? And Lots we all, of misfits, too, right? So many misfits who find their way in and find their voice and their place. And we get to dream, yeah. you know? We saw two incredible shows today, and those people are part of my community. Yeah, and we get to do that. And we get to do that. And That's it's pretty. A, it's, it's remarkable, and it employs so many people, and it it's a massive industry that does a lot of good. Yes, there are things that need to evolve and change, but like anything, you know, this idea that it's like this evil thing or it's filled with bad people, that narrative needs to change because it's it's not the case. It's also filled with a lot of generous, kind, sensitive, thoughtful people. That's what this show is about. That's yeah. that's why I wanted to do this show because I want to I want to show what fashion is really like. You know, warts and all, but yeah. not not just the warts. Yeah. Because what's seen outside is just the warts and those of us who are lucky enough to sit on the inside and see how it all works, it's like inspiring. It's super inspiring and there are people like business people, creative people who are, you know, who see what needs to change and they're working really hard and they're very committed to those ideals and that's wonderful. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts. Specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. 
Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Okay, let's talk a bit about Fashion Week. Yes. This is the first Fashion Week in a very long time where so many people have come together. Mm -hmm. There was also a lot of talk amid the pandemic that there are too many Fashion Weeks, too many shows, too many yeah. products, too many collections, too many brands, yeah. too much pressure, too much running around, too much yep. travel. What does it feel like to be back in the thick of it? It feels like the greatest gift. Don't you feel that way? Yeah. I just think this week, having, you know, reconnecting with peers and colleagues and, you know, seeing clothes in person and fabrics move and ideas and listening to music. I mean, all of it has just been a gift after this long and painful time. But there have been lessons learned in the past 16 months. What are those lessons? The value of community for me, the value of the importance of being rooted in your family and just maybe not running so much, you know, being a little more still. Yeah. And I'm hoping that we can be excited about coming together and we can still come together without letting go of some of the lessons. And I think the only way that we can do this, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, but I think the only way we can do this is collectively. We have to all be committed to creating space for these new ideals and these values. But I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, I think that I have not heard the industry in the kind of 13, 14 years I've worked in, I've not seen the industry actually take the moment to reflect. I've never seen so much introspection. Mm -hmm. I've never seen so much openness. Mm -hmm. I've never seen so many uncomfortable conversations mm -hmm. happening. Yep. And I think that's good. And I think it's been really hard mm -hmm. on so many levels. Mm -hmm. As an industry, it's like a yep. reckoning, there's right? A, there's a social reckoning. There's an industry reckoning. It's happening all around. Yeah. And growth is never easy. It's painful but it's necessary. And fashion's not alone in the reckoning, but you know, because we're in fashion and because it's such a visual industry that's mm -hmm. so visible now, mm -hmm. so global, mm -hmm. so connected to mm -hmm. everything that's happening in the world. Yeah. You called it a, a reflection. It's like, mm -hmm. it can be the example. It can be the example that everybody sees because for a long time, what everybody saw did not reflect the community. It did not reflect the people we see on the subway. It did not reflect mm -hmm. our communities right. and the people that we grew up with and the cultures that we grew up with. Right. But it's nice that finally people are thinking, okay, yeah. the time has come. The time has come and right. we can never go back. We can yeah. never go back. We just, we can't. Tell me your thoughts on Balenciaga. It was incredible. I have to say, I walked in there not knowing, I didn't know what to expect and I don't use this word often, but it was masterful. 
tell me what was masterful about it. I think he surprised. He took a tradition and in this one collection he just completely moved it forward but he did it with such tremendous respect it's like before you can break the rules you really have to learn them right before you can deconstruct the codes you have to really understand them and i think he really i don't know how long what his tenure has been at this house but it's, it's been since 2015 he got okay. appointed so. so it's like in this time it's like he's just been the student of these codes and then he was able to apply them to the way he sees the world and bring all of himself he brought all of himself to that collection right and the way he sees the world but he did it through the lens of you know with the codes of mr balenciaga you know the obvious but like the casting i thought was incredible but you know the tailoring the reimagining the just all of it it all surprised me and it all felt beautiful and luxurious but also just i mean there were jeans on you know he showed denim but it made sense you know they were they were perfect and they were beautiful and it was like of course in 2021 that that, sh that should be what yeah, we it see it felt like right it now it felt like right now it felt like right now and i think that he he just moved the tradition forward like he just with all his might, just pushed it forward in a way that I, I haven't experienced in some time. What do you think he was saying about the world right now? Gosh, that's such a good question. I don't know, let's ask him. Can we ask him? But I, I just, his world is inclusive. There's something, you know, to go back to the casting for a second, that I know that's not the whole point of the show, but you know, there were older people in that casting, but they were as chic as like the young, and it looked like when I walked down the street, it was those are the people that you see. But then they were in these couture, couture yeah. looks that people, you know, painstakingly beautifully crafted by hand in the most beautiful fabrics. But, you know, there were even technical fabrics in there and it just, it felt, yeah, it just felt like right now. And those are the clothes that are meant for now too, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the, it was just, everything felt appropriate and sort of of the moment. Mm. You've worked in the fashion industry for probably two decades. Yeah started as an assistant, as an intern, actually. Yeah, and you've worked your way up, and you've seen up close haute couture yeah. for years. Like, mm -hmm. What do you think, why does haute couture exist? What is it for creatively and commercially? Why, why does it exist? I think it's the purest form of fashion's expression, and I think it's absolutely necessary. It's the purest expression of what these houses can do and it is the tradition and without a connection to our tradition we are untethered and i think to come back twice a year or if it's once a year but to come back as an industry and to refocus on the tradition of hand sewing beading you know distilling it down to just what is most beautiful and most you know and i also go back to the idea of in these ateliers they're sitting together around tables and they're creating as as a collective and and it's just bringing it all back to its purest form. And I think we are untethered without it. And I think commercially, on the one side, I would say clients want the rarest, most exclusive item. And I get, listen, if I could, I'd be the first one in line. I would 100%. But I think for us as an industry, even if you can't buy those clothes, I don't think that's the point. I think the point is to celebrate and to honor the tradition that shapes what we do and it all comes from this and we have to support it and we have to get back to it and we have to reconnect with it and yeah I feel so grateful to be here and to be able to see it in person it was incredible the yeah. whole show though the whole show the whole show was incredible yeah. 
All of it, every, every detail of it. The red carnation on our chair was perfect. The other night at dinner, I read you this quote yes. by Arundhati Roy. Yes. Historically, pandemics have forced humans to break with the past and mm -hmm. imagine the world anew. This one is no different. It is a portal, a gateway between one world and the next. We can choose to walk through it, dragging the carcasses of our prejudice and hatred, mm -hmm. our avarice, our data banks and dead ideas, our dead rivers and smoky skies behind us. Or we can walk through lightly with little luggage, ready to imagine another world and ready to fight for it. So my last question yeah. is what should we be fighting for? What is that like as an industry, if there's one thing that we need to be fighting for to change, after all, this is all over and in some parts of the world it's not over yet. What should we be fighting for so that the 16 months is not wasted? So that we're not snapping back to an unsustainable, irresponsible, exclusive model that seems like from another era. I think there are a lot of things we should be fighting for, so it's very hard for me to distill it to one single thing, but I would say top of my list is humanity. You know, at Harper's Bazaar, I always say we're at the intersection of humanity and luxury. That's the space I want to occupy, and I know it's possible because when I was growing up, I could see my likeness in magazines, and that's how I learned about humanity, my humanity, right? Like I can escape. And I think that Black Lives Matter, you know, all of it, we have to be more welcoming, we have to be more human, we have to be more kind and gentle, and all that humanity implies. Less unforgiving, more sympathetic, more patient, more welcoming. I just, I, that is something we need to carry with us, and we also just need to take care of our planet. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. What we wear says a lot about who we are. Yet fashion is also a $2.5 trillion global industry that touches everyone on Earth. I'm Imran Ahmed. I first started trying to make sense of the business of fashion 15 years ago, as it was being transformed by technology, globalization, and shifting consumer values. Now I'm on a journey to see how fashion is recalibrating after the pandemic to balance profit with purpose. This is the Business of Fashion Show. Join me to discover how fashion shapes business, culture, and identity, and to meet the people forging fashion's future.